Good morning, everyone. The first reading that we hear from Old Testament is um, understood as a poem. It's part of a poem, and it was written after the return of the people from exile. They were exiled in uh, Babylonia. And uh, what this poem speaks about, it paints a picture of the blessing of God that will be bestowed upon Jerusalem and uh, and all the people who will be in Jerusalem. And my friends, uh, it likens Jerusalem, as we heard, to a mom or a mother who lovingly nurses her children. And uh, it, for us Christians, it foreshadows the blessings that will result from the kingdom of God when Jesus comes. And um, while all the synoptic gospels record a sending out of the 12 apostles, Luke uh, mentions uh, a second type of sending out. Um, and uh, certainly we can say, well, Jesus references the harvest and needs more people. Certainly uh, this would be the case. And um, the mission of the disciples was an extension of Jesus' own mission. And it's an understanding uh, in his instructions to them. And we must remember that this was uh, only a temporary mission for them. And uh, a short duration limited to the surrounding Jewish towns and villages. My friends, um, sometimes people uh, get a little bit caught up in the numbers, and so uh, the number 72 is used, and I will tell you where you can go to be enlightened as to perhaps why this number is used. Um, I won't tell you why, because I want you to go to the Bible and open up and actually read it. Um, I don't want to have to do everything for you, <laughs> unlike that first poem. <laughs> well, from the, um, so you'll go to Genesis 10, and there you will hear about Noah and uh, something that's going on. Then you will go to Numbers, the book of Numbers, 11:16 through 30, and Moses will be addressing something, and you will be enlightened as to what this number is. It's, uh, some people get way too caught up in numerology with this, and uh, uh, this will help you to understand Friends, uh, one of the things about this gospel, um, it appears sometimes to be the gospel of no. Jesus tells them, you're going to go, and they go, and no, 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 no. No food, no stick, no, no, no. <laughs> and they still went. <laughs> kind of like with Father Mark, when I became a priest, the archbishop said, there'll be no wife, there'll be no children, there'll be no house for you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. So I kind of get it. Um, but for all of you also, uh, there are no's, but there is blessings that come with that. Now, my friends, remember this gospel was written uh, after Jesus' resurrection. And uh, inside of it, Luke says, and wherever you go, you will eat what's put in front of you. Because remember, there is Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And the Jewish Christians, they don't eat pork. They don't touch it. And there was a fight about it. So there was division and hostility about it. So Luke is saying, whatever they put in front of you, eat it. If it's ribs, just eat it. No problem with Father Mark. <laughs> I love me some barbecue ribs. <laughs> I would take maybe a little issue with Brussels sprouts. <laughs> but uh, you see the, as we see the nose, we also understand kind of, uh, always we read all of the Gospels to understand. And again, only Luke mentions the 72. The other evangelists do not talk about these 72. This is one of the things. We don't know where the 72 come from. Uh, we have an idea. We don't have their names. Uh, and we don't know exactly where they went, but I believe 
uh, the book of Numbers will kind of explain. Uh, and they are never mentioned again directly after they get their work done. Uh, in my opinion, the 72 represent all the disciples now. And that Jesus, when he was on earth, couldn't do it all by himself. He didn't want to do it all by himself because he wanted to engage us, to help us. So I believe the 72 are symbolic of the church and what we must do. Friends, we, we see a little, just a single detail, if you're wondering, our Father, about that food. Uh, Paul brings it up too. Uh, really quickly, you heard, doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. That was, again, a Gentile Jewish thing. And he said, doesn't matter. That doesn't matter anymore. What matters is that you're new now. And uh, for him, all those who would follow Christ must then become like him. Friends, um, of late, um, there are many uh, lessons to be learned from all the readings for today and of the scriptures, and I certainly can, I've been trying very quickly to do a broad stroke of them for you, but uh, in this time, in our time, I think uh, um, one of the lessons um, that we see is Jesus encourages the disciples to work hard and, uh, because the harvest is ready, and he encourages his disciples to stay focused on his mission and not to be distracted. That's one of the reasons why he says, and as you go, don't greet anybody. Just go directly to where I tell you to go. Um, he's not telling people to be rude. He's telling them it's an idea of urgency and uh, to not get distracted. He encouraged his disciples to put their confidence in God. This is part of the, the nose. Don't take sticks, don't take food, don't do any of those things. And also, this is what he, he traveled this way. He didn't have anything but his tunic. He had a lot of people around him, but he had nothing else. So he's asking them to really imitate him. He also encourages disciples to be ready for difficulties. And this is where I want to kind of talk this morning about. Because he said there are wolves out there. To this part, Jesus instructs the disciples how to react to difficulties and challenges about him, about his father, about the new faith, because uh, Christianity would be new, and about rejection. When one's efforts seem fruitless and when it seems we fail in our attempts or they failed in their attempts to win people over for Christ, Jesus says, here's what you will do. When that happens, the disciples are simply to shake the dust from their feet and move on. And uh, it does appear that Jesus is telling the disciples to expect failures. It's going to happen. And, um, but he says, but you will, you will speak the good news of the gospel. And don't let it overcome you. And uh, we need to discern and to reflect on this lesson, especially of late. Uh, you know, Jesus did not force himself on anyone. He simply presented the truth to them, and if they accepted it, they did, and if they didn't, they walked away. And Jesus, I'm sure, in his human nature, perhaps felt disappointed by that. Why? Because it was an insult to him? No, because heaven is in the mix of that. And uh, everyone remains free to accept or reject God. Christ himself could not convince all the Pharisees and Sadducees to follow him. And um, we probably should not expect anything different when we go about living our faith also. And apparently St. Paul certainly did not expect anything different. 
Perhaps this is part of why he puts so much emphasis on the cross in the second reading, where he writes, May I never boast except in the cross of Jesus. That cross, that is the glory. And because of that cross, he showed us his love for the Father, for us, and his determination. Yet at the same time, the cross was a sign of the stark reality of sin, a people's rejection of the Father. So like the disciples, we, uh, we must be ready to face rejection for Christ's sake. And this is very challenging. And uh, I certainly don't like it, and I certainly encounter, encounter it, uh, particularly in the past three years. Uh, they celebrated 14 years as a priest. Uh, three of these, I think of late, uh, people have been very uh, hard of heart and very vicious. Uh, towards Christianity, and in particular to the Catholic Church. I think in many ways, societies and cultures are hostile to Christians, uh, even to Christ himself. And when we try to live out Christ's teaching, I mean, when we really try, uh, not in a self-righteous way, when we are doing this in holiness, uh, and we try to defend the faith rightly, because there are some who defend the faith, and it's the wrong way they go about doing it. So when we defend the faith rightly and when we try to build up the church, there is resist resistance, mockery, and absolute hostility. We cannot say that Jesus did not warn us about this. But he told us to be courageous anyway. He told us that we will sometimes be rejected because of the faith, and apparently that's okay. But it's hard for us. No one likes rejection. Jesus said, just shake the dust off your feet and move on. Not in hatred, but with peace in your heart. Move on. Trusting that he can turn any apparent failures into success. In truth, it is easier said than done. Yet it seems this is the secret for not being overcome by discouragement because discouragement is certainly a disciple's enemy. We try to follow Christ to the best of our ability. Obstacles spring up and failures plague us. And wolves come around. And the wolves are not just simply out in the street, as Jesus said, but uh, they, have, they are and always have been within the church also. And this is how Satan operates. And my friends, one of the one of the most deadly temptations to a Christian is discouragement. Because in that, we think that uh, we have failed. We think that we have done wrong. We think that we are not holy enough. Even worse, we, uh, we think that Jesus is disappointed. And when these wicked thoughts come, uh, they can paralyze us. They can make us apathetic, but there's something even worse. They can make us comfortable with being lukewarm. You know what? I tried. Forget it. Perhaps the reality is that disappointment in this context is just the result of unfulfilled expectations. <laughs> Christ reminded us uh, of which expectations we should have and we should strive to follow him. We should expect rejections and obstacles and persecutions. And could it be then now that uh, we know this, that we do not have to be deeply discouraged then? Perhaps these difficulties are not cause for discouragement, but an opportunity for us to show courage instead. 
So my friends, um, of late, uh, particularly, um, Christianity in general is not well-liked, but in particular, uh, the Catholic Church is hated and a target. Uh, so um, Jesus said, whatever house you enter into, uh, offer it peace. The peace, the word used, uh, is not absence of war, the way we sometimes understand it. Peace, the way uh, the word being used from the translation of Aramaic to the Greek, Greek to the Latin, Latin to every other language, is hesed. Hesed, remember I taught you years ago, hesed is a type of covenantal love and friendship. It, inside of it is encased in that word is a sense of reconciliation, of friendship, of peace, and of love. So when Jesus said, whenever house you enter into, offer peace. And he tells us, if they don't want it, it's not wasted. It comes back to you as a blessing. So with that, remember when we encounter it, and we will, we will. Try not to be overcome by discouragement. Certainly do not respond with hatred. That is absolutely not, not permitted by Jesus. We don't return evil for evil. Wish your peace upon them, and if they don't want it, they have a right to not want it. Jesus sends it back to you in abundance upon your heart. Um, right now, that doesn't sound like much consolation, but it will be in time, in time. Okay. Now, how many of you are going to, how many of you are going to go home and open up the Bibles to Genesis 10 and to Numbers? All right. <laughs> you better. <laughs> Father can't do everything. <laughs> but, well, and this is part of what that 72 is implying. You know, there's not enough of us priests. There's not enough of us bishops, the bishops of the church. And in fact, right now, we have been somewhat protected by my brothers and sisters. Um, there's not enough of us priests. And things are changing. And it's already happening in places like Michigan and Illinois and Philadelphia. Um, the idea of parish is changing. It's turning into what they call family, and where one priest will run three or four parishes. And it is coming to this archdiocese. You can go to the website and you will see it's beginning in Tacoma and a little more south. Um, it's happening. And so uh, we can get angry all right, or we can get hurt, all right, um, and parishes will be closed. They're already doing that in, on the East Coast um, to try and consolidate. Or, or we can step up and meet the challenge. And this is where that whole notion of the 72 come in. You got to 